Hello, this is Ed Cohen, your broadcast host today on GlobalRadioTalkShow.com, a broadcast service of Global HR News and GlobalBusinessNews.net. We have a very special guest today, Mark Colo. Mark Colo, we know from business community, where he has been involved for many years in the corporate relocation business. He's a VP sales with Chipman Relocation in California. But we're going to talk today about his charity work. He's the founding director at findcures.org. So let's say hello. Welcome, Mark. Hi, Ed. Glad to be here. Thank you, Mark Colo, for doing this. Uh, Briefly, what is findcures.org? What's it all about? Findcures is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to Funding research that will find cures for eight primary neurological diseases. And more importantly, our foundation is focused on bringing hope to individuals that contract these diseases. And for some, it, it's, it's a, very, a very large pill for them to swallow. And so we help them with the emotional transition. We help them get secure financially, help protect their assets, various financial services that we provide. We help them with relocation, which as you know, and I've done that for about 40 plus years, who help them find inexpensive ways to move from maybe a higher cost of living location to a lower cost of living location, and just help them with the transition. We can do a a do-it-yourself approach for them, save them a lot of money, or we can do a full-service Cadillac type of service for them if they have the wherewithal and, and want to do that. Issue grants for students that are going into neurology, and, of course, the last thing we do is we do focus on funding research for cures for these diseases. Okay. So I want to back up and just say the mission of findcures.org. A reading list is to be the premier transitional support services provider for individuals and their loved ones by providing solutions to their foremost concerns and to fund neurological research to find cures for those diseases. So once again, Mark, what other diseases? Name them, please. Well, we have primarily eight diseases. We have Parkinson's, we have Alzheimer's, we have autism, we have stroke, we have multiple sclerosis, we have TBI, which is concussion. I mentioned most of them. So your products and services are wellness counseling, financial planning, estate planning, relocation assistance, educational grants for students enrolled in neurology and funding research. So you mentioned Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, just as two of them, and autism. So regarding, let's just say Alzheimer's, what's your take on that? How's that going? Well, it's going well. Alzheimer's is, is such a broad reach and it's has such a significant impact on the family to see a loved one start developing dementia and having trouble with memory and relationships, it, it puts a hardship on the entire family. And it's one of those diseases yeah, that, that is most often supported by loving family members. So it's not so much an outsource to a care provider, but it's just family members that actually roll their sleeves and, and help the individual. We're making good progress in that area. More often than not, dementia is quite common in Parkinson's patients as well. About half of all Parkinson's patients develop some form of dementia as they 
progressing in the disease. I want to go a little bit deeper. Is there a difference? What's the difference between Alzheimer's and Parkinson's? Well, Parkinson's is a disease, and I'm speaking from experience because I've, I've had Parkinson's for for about 12 years now. Parkinson's affects so many facets of, of human function. It affects sight, hearing, all the senses essentially. It causes a tremor. It's called a, it's called a resting tremor, and that's where your body involuntarily just kind of shakes a bit. The most common symptom of Parkinson's. But it affects digestion, it affects your flexibility, it affects circulation. Just about virtually every function of your body gets impacted upon when you get Parkinson's. And it's, it's basically a decrease in, in dopamine, which is a calming chemical that the base of the brain, an area called the substantia nigra of the brain, produces dopamine to relax the, the nerves and the cells in the body. And when you get a deficiency, it puts more stress and duress on the body because it's continually shaking and trembling. Very different from Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, when patients get Alzheimer's, they have an average lifespan of about another 10 years from diagnosis. It's quite common. Parkinson's patients can go about 30, 40 years, but it's just a continual diminishing of strength and and agility and, and health as it goes. They compare Parkinson's to a glacier. It's huge. It's ominous. has a tremendous impact on the body, but, and it, but it's so gradual in moving forward that you don't really notice the changes until they become more severe. What about autism? That's different, isn't it? Autism it is different. It is different. And we, as a foundation, we try our best to stay informed of all these diseases, but it's a very large task because there's so many changes being made in the medical field and so many advancements and that we have trouble sometimes keeping on top of them. So, but we do focus overall on each of these diseases and try and help the individual find hope and find a, you know, a new perspective. So are there sufficient number of professionals trained in this? There, there is, Ed, uh, and part of, part of what we've done as a foundation as, and then myself as a founding member is during my day job, I've been focused on relocation for most of my energies have gone. That's where most of my income has come from. And in relocation, there's different niches in that industry. And one of the niches that I've been able to find in the last five years, in part because of my circumstance, is I've been able to tap into research scientists from all over the world because I've been able to relocate their laboratories as they've been, as they've been hired for, by various universities in the country. One example, we do work, uh, Fine Cures has relationships with scientists from UCLA, USC, Chapman, and UC Irvine. I've got a great story I'd share with you. I don't know if we have time to share it, but can I share that with you? Yes, please do. Okay, his name was Howard Federoff. And when my client at UC Irvine called me, her name was Diane. She was a purchasing agent. She said, Mark, can you relocate science from the East Coast from Georgetown University to our campus here at UCI. I said, Dan, certainly I can do that. And she said, can you really? I said, yeah, I can. She said, no, can you really? And I said, Diane, what's your concern? She said, this guy is going to be my boss's boss, and if you screw it up, I'll lose my job. So I said, well, Diane, I can see why you're concerned. So I called Howard, and I had never, obviously had never spoken to him, but when I called him and he picked up, I said, Howard, this is Mark Cola with Chipman Relocation. I've been asked to handle your relocation to Southern California. 
He said, great, I've been waiting for your call. I said to him, Howard, and I always ask this question of, of, some, of researchers that we, that we relocate. I said, what's your biggest concern about your relocation out here to California? He said, I'm glad you asked that question. He said, I have 12 cryogenic freezers with 30,000 brain samples of individuals who have died, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. I said, and I, you can imagine hearing that because I've been diagnosed for about eight years at the time with Parkinson's. So I went quiet when he said that. And then I said, Howard, I said, what's your other concern? He said, well, if the temperature in these freezers rise or drops more than three degrees, it will compromise my samples. So he said, can you assure me that that will not happen? And I responded and I said, Howard, you're going to be happy to know that I have a vested interest in making sure that doesn't happen. And he said, well, could I, would you mind if I ask what that is? I said, sure. I said, I have Parkinson's. He went quiet for about three or four seconds. And then he said, tell me about it. Well, I didn't know it at the time, but as I researched him afterwards on the Internet, I found out that he was a renowned expert in both of those diseases, that he could probably write an encyclopedia on the subject. And to have him say, tell me about your situation, just spoke volumes to me about that, about him as an individual and a humanitarian, warned me over. So I did things for him that I wouldn't do for almost anyone anyone else. I stored his, his race car and his motorcycle in my garage, and I helped do other things for him. We developed a good relationship, and he was one of our guest speakers at one of our meetings that we had for Parkinson's awareness. That's just one account, Ed, of many stories I could tell you about things that were more than coincidence, but that were actually, in my opinion, maybe divine intervention to a certain degree. Okay, I want to go a little bit deeper now about yourself. You have been dealing with Parkinson's yourself for a period of time, and yet you're very active in business, and I'm very impressed with your doing that. So I understand that you wrote a book about your own experiences called Peace with Parkinson's. Please tell me about it. Well, I wrote the book in part just to educate people about what it's like to go through a diagnosis of a chronic illness. could be any illness for that matter, but when you get that diagnosis, it's, it's a big day in your life. My diagnosis came by way of just seeing, noticing my right pinky was tremoring or, or quivering a little bit all on its own. And this happened when I was conducting a, a large high attendance meeting of about 600 to 800 people. And when I was up there conducting, I saw this little tremor come up in my right pinky, and I thought, well, that's interesting. I noticed for the next week or two, it continued to do that little tremor. And so I went to a friend of mine who was in the medical field. I said, what do you think about that? He says, I said, I think you should go get it looked at. So I went out to have it looked at, and the, the physician I met with had me do a number of exercises that I thought were completely irrelevant to why I was there. And then he had me sit down, and then he basically said, Mark, I'm pretty certain that your condition and your symptoms are reflective of pre-Parkinsonian symptoms, and here's what I would do. So it kind of gave me a few, a few ideas. He said, you can get a second opinion, or you can let it go and see if it develops, or you can start taking these medications to see if it improves the situation. So I walked out of the hospital, kind of like a deer in the headlights. Said I was shocked. I was disappointed. 
I felt like the weight of the world was resting on my shoulders. It was a very difficult day for me. When I shared it with my family members, they were supportive, they were loving, they were helpful. But what I really needed that day was somebody who could be an advocate for me and sit down with me and say, look, you have this illness, but here's what's ahead of you, and here's the things you'll be able to still continue to do. And this will progress very slowly. And then just kind of give me some consultation and some advice on how I transition with this disease. So I wrote those things down, Ed, and I started reflecting on my life as a whole and some of the challenges that I had faced in my early youth and my later years. And I thought, you know, this reads like a pretty good soap opera. So I said, I'm going to go further on this and try and make this into a book. So I wrote the book, Peace with Parkinson's, to help people transition from difficult news to a place of, in a sense of well-being. That's why my subtitle is, it's called The Resting Tremor, Not an Earthquake. And that's why I wrote Peace with Parkinson's. That's great. I'm really impressed. And I, and I see that you've written also about the issue of control or about feeling bad for yourself, things like that. Do you want to get into that a little? Yeah, I'll touch on that, Ed. From my early childhood and through my diagnosis of Parkinson's, I've come to believe in four basic credos in life. My first credo that came by way of that resting tremor is the only constant is change. So when you have a change in your life that you can't do anything about it, learn to embrace it and just learn to recognize that it's just a change and it can lead to other great things, which, which my, my circumstances taught me many great lessons because of it. So that's my first credo. The only constant is change, so embrace it. And I won't get into too much of my childhood, but I'll just say as a general statement, it was not a childhood that I would have signed up for. Very difficult in many ways. One of the highlights of my childhood was recognizing that there is more purpose in life and there are greater opportunities. And so I I took the time to serve a mission for uh, my faith which was a two-year mission in Northern Ireland and Scotland in the late 70s when the hunger strikes were taking place and civil unrest was at high and there was just a lot of tension. So that was a great experience. I was only 19 years old and it was a great, great teaching opportunity for me. So was that the era when there was so-called troubles in Northern Ireland? Yeah, it was a period of time called the hunger strike. And that's from the IRA Army. The IRA was at an all-time high in terms of creating havoc in Northern Ireland. So there were more bombings going on. There were more, more shootings going on. And it was just a very hostile time to take place over there. It's almost like being, living in a militarized zone where you see tanks going down the street, soldiers with machine guns. So I want to ask you about control as an illusion. And your philosophy about life isn't always fair, live with it. So a control is an illusion. So you have Parkinson's, people have Alzheimer's. What's your thinking? How do you deal with all that? Is it a matter of faith or is there some other way of going? Yeah, it's certainly important. I mean, faith, I sometimes wonder how people get through serious adversity without some amount of faith. With Parkinson's, you have a situation where you have what's called a tremor, and it usually begins in the pinky, and then it gradually works its way 
sort of third of the body, so it affects your arm and your left side of your body. It just gradually gets worse. But in my situation, having had a childhood that was somewhat out of control, I believe that when you're when you have a childhood like that, you often try to, be, to control things around you, and you can sometimes be overly committed to controlling things. And when you get a resting tremor, and you try to control it and try to minimize the shaking so you're not drawing attention to yourself. Interestingly enough, it gets worse. So you can't control it, or otherwise it gets worse. So my feeling, again, any experience you have in life that requires significant change, you got to accept it. you got to just go with it, and you got to try not to control it. Let go, let go of control, and you'll be a lot happier if you do that. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about find cures and how people can help. And I'm sure you're looking for donations, but how can people help you with more than money? And what will the money be used for? Yeah, that's a great question. The money that we raise is used for funding research. And I feel that we have an advantage as an organization in that most of our relationships we've developed with scientists, research scientists, and experts on these diseases most of the relationships are at the academic level. So we have connections with people that are probably going to be the ones that are going to find the next cure. And that makes us grateful and very excited that we're, we're on that cutting edge. The monies will go to fund research. They'll also go to support individuals that have challenges from an income perspective. The burden of debt for these diseases is in the billions. So when a family or individual contracts one of these diseases, it can be very common that they will spend as much as $25,000 annually to support the individual and the loved ones that are impacted by the disease. So it takes a tremendous financial toll on them. So our foundation was established to help with what we call these transitional services. And if the individual doesn't have the funds or wherewithal to pay for the services that we have, we will subsidize the providers that we have so they will get the services for well below market cost. So that's another way that we help these individuals. And we've got a number of testimonials from individuals that were in a place where they had no financial means to to pay for the service they needed, and we stepped up, we paid for it. So that's where our monies go. Are you set up in San Diego? We are set up, for what we do now, we're set up primarily in the western region. Our goal is to expand to the east coast and to just grow our presence domestically and then to look at a global front. But we do have services that can accommodate San Diego, yes, to answer your question. So you're not set up, say, in Miami or Washington? That's where we want to get, and we're not yet on the East Coast, but we do want to get to the East Coast. I've done a lot of work for the National Foundation, Parkinson's Foundation, which is based in Miami, and I've got good relationships there. I've participated in some of their former events, including Moving Day, and I think I've generated about $5,000 for them on my own efforts to help that organization. So we have good relationships with partners as well across the country. So I have, just so you know, I am producing a global HR conference in Miami on November 22. And one of our speakers is head of an organization that 
works with large employers to hire the handicapped, to hire people with disabilities. And I'm very happy to speak about find cures to her and make a connection even before then. And finally, our event in Washington, D.C. will be on Embassy Row on February 27. And there'll be uh, several interesting people at that event. And I'll send you some info about it so you can have a peek at it. And I'd be glad to make connections for findcures.org. That would be wonderful, Ed. Any help you can give us would be much appreciated. Right. Speaking with Mark Colo, founding director of findcures.org. And it's really a pleasure to know you and a pleasure to have learned this much more about you and your valuable work. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ed. Happy to have been here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we're signing off. This is Ed in San Diego, Global Radio talkshow.com yes, I think to myself what a wonderful